Hello, everyone, and welcome to our episode of Dual Experiences. Today, we'll be talking about standardized testing and all the test anxiety that goes with it. Now, if you're a junior, you probably know what season it is. It's the SAT season, and with that, there's also a lot of stress that comes with it, and not just with SAT, just other normal tests that we have. So today, uh, a friend of ours from IB will be joining us. Um, thank you so much, Bella, for taking the time out of your spring break to join us in our episode. Yeah, no, it's good. So Bella, have you ever experienced any of these text anxiety on any other tests, whether that be you know standardized tests or just normal exams in our schools? Yeah, definitely. That's a that's a really big thing for me. I get stupidly nervous for almost everything. <laughs> how how do you deal with that? Because I think that's definitely very normal. And as IB students, I mean, just taking advanced classes, there's tests like it feels like almost every other week. So how do you even deal with that? Um, to be honest, I kind of over prepare. Um, I study a lot so that I know that I'm going to be fine and I can sort of logically tell the anxiety part of my brain to just like stop because I know that it's going to be fine. If I feel very ready for a test and I'm really like aware of what's on the test and when it is, then I'm, I'm, I'm usually okay then. That's awesome. Yeah, Oscar, how about you? How do you, how do you deal with text anxiety? One of the things I do, and I recommend this to everyone, is just breathe or find a way to relax. I know there's not a lot of things you can bring into the testing environment. Many standardized tests are extremely strict about what you can bring. I doubt you could even bring a little plushie or even a fidget spinner or any sort of fidgets if you're into that type of thing. But what you can do for sure is definitely breathe, maybe do something with your hands that is relaxing. There's probably a bunch of things you can do. Maybe you can stretch before the tests. I also like to know, similar to Bella, the general format of the tests and just make sure I know all the components. That's extremely useful. And I do study ahead of time, but I do see what do I need to work on and what do I know fairly well. Yeah, those are definitely some of the strategies that I use. Preparing for a test, I mean, the more we prepare, the less anxious we get. That's the general trend that I notice. But I totally agree that, you know, regardless of how much you prep, just take a deep breath before you enter that exam. Um, Because oftentimes we know more than we actually think we do. And just, you know, calming yourself down, maybe also like giving yourself a pep talk before your test, um, that can also help. I know I do give myself pep talks, you know, I was like, all right, Tisha, you got this regardless of how much I studied, right? So those are just some ways that I definitely cope up with test anxiety. I just want to ask all of you, what are some of your study strategies? I know I mentioned that I look at the things I want to improve and the things I already know. But beyond that, do you have general study strategies? And this could be for either you, Isabella, or Tavisha. I've actually been trying to change the way I study lately because it is not really effective anymore with the huge amount of material they were using but i used to just go through the entire book and summarize it and like i would do that for history and i'd have like 10 pages of notes and i would just memorize them so i just summarize the book and then memorize the summary and that would do that would do just fine for like those middle school tests and stuff but now we're covering a massive amount of material and a lot of the questions are relating more to like skills so i just go over i of course, I end up still going through the entire book every time we have a test, which is really annoying and time consuming. But I also try and go over like the stuff we've covered in class and um, like the different practice worksheets we've done 
or just like try and figure out which skills we're going to need for the test and make sure that I know how to how to do those. Yeah, same with me, especially since a lot of the exams right now are skilled based. I like to take a couple practice tests before I delve into an exam, even though I have done it a couple times um, in the past. Also, with my studying, I kind of like to space it out. Like, I've just noticed that if I cram like one night before the test, I don't retain that much. So I just like to spread it out. You know, if I have an exam on Friday, I just like to study or start starting on Tuesday and just, you know, work my way up through there. So I'm not cramming everything at once because that's definitely not something that works for me. Also for language, um, like Spanish or French or German, I find it pretty helpful to use Quizlets just to memorize vocabulary or other grammar techniques. So, I mean, there's a lot of tools and resources that you can that you can use out just to get a better understanding of of what you're studying in a very fun and interactive way like quizlet and that's important too you mentioned creating quizlets i feel like there are many study resources you can buy or you can buy tutors practically but in the end it's almost up to you to be able to do the tests and if you make it interactive yourself that seems to be better and in the end you'll you yourself only know your study strategies. Maybe you can figure that out with different friends. Maybe you're been inspired to have a study strategy, but you do you. That's really important. Maybe it's more physical. You like to move around the city, or maybe you just want to hear something and do that over and over. But in any case, that's just important to do. I know for me that just for taking notes and for studying for exams, I like to create and review mind maps. I particularly use that for history. And it, instead of just writing a linear set of notes, so for instance, starting with the title, subtitle, and so forth, I'll actually start with the main topic in the center and go my way from there. It's basically this massive web of different ideas. That way I'm not copying a book verbatim. And usually it doesn't take a long time to do my sort of notes. And I should actually apply that to the standardized tests we have coming up. It is a little bit different just because it's more skill-based and I've heard that just doing practice tests and just practicing the skills is among some of the most important things. And one of those things is vocabulary. I've noticed the more vocabulary you know, the more you can eliminate right off the back, especially if you know a prefix or whatnot. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, each individual has like their own study habit and um, own methods that work best for them. And, and that also applies to the different classes that you're studying. Like, for example, when you're studying for history, that's going to look a lot different than what you're going to do in order to study for math. So um, I think just keeping that in mind, you know, not every class that you study for is going to be the same. And same with all the students. Not all students are going to study and retain the information similar. Um, so are there like any strategies that you use in terms um, of studying? So yeah, when I'm um, studying for math, those, like, I tend to focus more on classes? the formulas and practice problems. But for other classes, um, I generally tend to focus more on timelines like for history or um, for, I don't actually study for English, which I probably should. Um, but to be honest, if there's nothing for me to write down as a page, I don't usually end up studying for the class because I assume that it's a skill that I already have and nothing that I would need to memorize. I am usually studying to memorize information I don't already know because I do pay attention and do my work in class. So I usually have all of those like um, in English class if we needed to know how to write a poem or something and I'd been practicing it during class, I wouldn't feel the need to study because I feel like I would already have that skill. 
So as a general rule, if it doesn't require memorization, I'm not usually going to study for it. Probably not good advice. <laughs> I can still see that, for instance, not only just writing a poem, but if you're trying to learn MLA or certain citing formats you need to know for classes, generally you do pick those up fairly well and some parts of it quickly, but you don't necessarily need to know those for standardized tests. I know that a standardized test coming up does have a certain essay and that does not say to necessarily cite the cite the story or the article or whatever it may be in MLA. It's more skill-based and they're asking you, how do you write an essay? Maybe in the style of MLA, but that's not necessarily a point. It's more about how do you provide evidence, analyze it, and have nice transitions and so forth. Just looking at the citation systems or how to write a bibliography, that can be entirely different matter. I myself also do not study particularly for English. It's more for specific test texts. When you're just given a random text and you have no clue what it is, for the most part, you only can really use your background knowledge and skills. Yeah, yeah, I agree. No, but I totally agree with the you know, advice that don't like overstudy and like don't study the things that you already know or the things that don't need to be memorized because a, not only is it a waste of your time, but also your effort. And you could probably put that effort into learning something new that um, you, you don't know of. Like uh, I remember last year for AP USSG, I studied like a lot um, of the periods that we had to do over and over again, even though I like knew everything. And um, I just feel like if I hadn't studied as much, I would have still gotten the same score. So it was just, you know, I could have like just saved that time and effort and put that into, I don't know, maybe like learning some cooking because I definitely don't do that. Um, but, you know, it's just, it just managing our time and effort wisely. <laughs> Yeah, I was in that same AP US history class and I studied so much for that test. Like I had timelines plastered on my bedroom walls. I studied all day, every day for like weeks. And I got the same score as my friend who studied the night before and the night before only. And oh, I'm still I mad oh, about it. I am still <laughs> mad about it. I was just going to say, I'm all, I, I'm honestly no. think I'm in the same boat as your friend, Bella. I I studied here and there, but definitely not intensively, and I may have not had timelines. I think it was more just trying to see how to write the essay. And I think another thing is, neither of us had the opportunity to use the multiple choice or looking at the graphics. And that was mostly because of the pandemic, and AP still wanted to have online tests. That was great, by the way. <laughs> thrilling absolutely thrilling but that's a part of it 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 all went down to the essay writing and i think some of us may have been better at the essay writing but i'm not sure if we had as much practice on that i'm honestly not sure but it certainly didn't have an opportunity to use those timelines as effectively in say the multiple choice or even the short response yeah, that year, uh, the sophomore year, was actually the first year I ever wrote an essay. So I have absolutely no essay writing skills because I used to go to um, a French school. So, like, my English lessons were literally learning how to spell the days of the week. That's not an exaggeration or anything. We learned how to spell the days of the week and it took, like, three months. So I had absolutely no essay skills whatsoever. And then they took out the only part of the test that I was good at. And I'm so mad about that. <laughs> 
I think that's the thing about tests, you know, just like because we get a bad score doesn't necessarily mean that we are a bad student by any means. You know, like a single test doesn't define how amazing we are as a student. Like you could get a C or a D in an exam, but, you know, still be incredibly smart. And I think that just connects to the idea that, you know, one exam is not like the end of the world. You know, like if you think down the line, like 10 years after, you're probably going to forget about the AP test that you took sophomore year. You know, it's not going to be as important. So even though it seems like very important at the moment, really in the long run in, in your life, it's not going to be that big of a deal when you have like so many other different challenges ahead of you. You're probably not going to think about that AP exam. I hope you're not going to think about that AP exam like 10 years down the line. Yeah, I also really hope that. That would be sad. <laughs> I would definitely encourage people not to have that haunt the rest of your lives. It honestly is one test, maybe two or three, just depending if you want to go to a prestigious college or if they need multiple tests. It's a little bit confusing why there are so many tests and so many fees. I did want to give one anecdote. This is about a mathematician named uh, Vodovsky. He's kind of inspiring because he basically failed all of his math classes at university. I do not recommend anyone do this. It's not suggestion to do that. They went on and was able to basically get the math equivalent <laughs> of the Nobel Prize. It's called the Fields Medal. With a single problem, he basically became famous among mathematicians, so that's mostly among academia, but still. It doesn't necessarily do it for you. It can really be one main accomplishment. It can be, it can be a hobby, maybe, or a game player or whatnot that's for instance, in chess. But honestly, as long as you're just doing the things you love to do, that one test will not necessarily define you. And maybe it's something else later down the line. Maybe it's helping someone. That can be much more than the score on a test. And the other side of that is that, you know, having some anxiety before a test isn't necessarily a bad thing. If you have too much and, you know, it's completely out of balance, then definitely that is a problem that you should um, consider. But if you have like mild anxiety and you're a bit scared for the exam, um, that might also just motivate you to study more. So, you know, there's a difference between having acute stress and chronic stress and just um, normal stresses uh, like you have before taking an exam or, you know, um, going to an interview, that's totally normal because that just encourages you to continue, you know, working harder. So it's not necessarily a bad thing to have those either. Um, and, you know, we were kind of like reading a book called Being Wrong. At least we finished reading a book called Being Wrong until again, we had so many discussions about that. But one of the ideas that the author was conveying is that, you know, being wrong and making errors is, is kind of normal. And uh, even if you make an error in the exam and study the next time, and continue learning, it's not necessarily a bad thing. So I just think going with that positive mentality can definitely help with uh, test anxiety, just knowing that that test doesn't define you. And even if you make errors, you can definitely fix it. So it's not the end of the world by any means. Yeah, I would I would add on. Um, I, off, I also know that like knowing logically that something is not a big deal or is not important um, can really like that can, that can not help. Maybe that's just me. Um, but like I took, I took this one test. This is the test that has like being anxious affected me the most. It was a clarinet test. Uh, I played the clarinet in middle school and I was pretty good at the clarinet. You know, I could hit all the notes and stuff, um, but I was really scared for this test. And for absolutely no reason, it was like a quiz or something. 
but my hands were shaking so much that I couldn't cover like the air holes on the clarinet and I couldn't play a single note. So I'd been playing this piece for weeks, but because I was nervous about it, even though I had absolutely no reason to be, I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. So I think that's just like kind of an exaggeration and an extreme example, but sometimes like being nervous about a test can like affect you to such a point that it actually stops you from being able to do the things you're able to do. And that's like one of the reasons why it's really important to try and manage that sort of stress level. Oh, I totally agree with that. I mean, when you're like stressed and, you know, super anxious to that degree where it starts to like undermine your own performance and your own skills, like that's something that I've definitely experienced myself as well. Um, And not just in tests, like even in uh, tennis matches, like when I get too anxious, you know, it's like I know the strokes, I know everything, yet I, I fail to do that because it's like your body just, you know, freezes because you have so much like weight on in your own mind. But I totally agree that being too stressed out can definitely weigh you down and undermine the skills that you already worked for. Yeah, like I, I speak French pretty well and I had my French IA recently and I was nervous about it, again, for no reason. And I forgot vocabulary words I've known since I was literally six. Like, I speak French, I'm <laughs> fluent in this language, and I still forgot basic things and made basic conjugation errors that, like, I wouldn't have made as a child. And, like, that's, it's funny to me, but it's also not funny because it was an IA. It was, like, a big test. It's ridiculous. I just wanted to go back to that interesting example you had, Bella, with the with uh, performing on the clarinet. I had a similar experience with playing piano at a recital, just among other piano students. Uh, it was this house of a Polish piano master, and it was a pretty big event. And I could just kind of see the little pamphlets that tell who's going uh, when and what they're playing and I just kind of waited until I, I had my turn to just play the piano and be done with it. Another stressful thing was I was wearing fairly formal wear and especially in that house we could get fairly hot and that definitely does not help with anxiety or uh, the chairs that were placed out. Luckily with the test you can know that unless if it's an IA or one-to-one you're all doing it at one time or you're all being looked at. It may be different for classes, but at least within a group of people, you're all doing the test at the same time and you don't have to worry about, okay, is it my turn next? And it's not quite waiting for a roller coaster, but it can be as exciting as a roller coaster. And I just be helpful to look at that as a challenge and just do the best you can do. And at the day the day's work for the most part unless if it's an oral exam you pretty much don't have to speak and can kind of be in your own zone just to get that test done i think you brought up an interesting point about formal wear i think that the way we look um can have like a really big impact on like kind of how we're feeling so if you feel like you're wearing formal wear and it's a really it might encourage that idea that this is a really stressful event whereas if you were wearing something more casual it might um help you relax a little bit more and so maybe like a stress elimination strategy is to wear sweatpants to the sat maybe that will help you relax (laughs) you know formal wear is definitely always stressful for me and that could just be because i'm usually forced into dresses and that's absolutely horrific but um, no, I think that like the sort of situations that you're in when you're wearing clothing um, 
that like like psychosomatic almost you know you're you're wearing formal wear that's usually a stressful big deal kind of situation whereas if you're wearing um sweatpants that's a kind of sitting on the couch watching a movie situation so i think that just sort of the other experiences that you have in those clothing might impact how you feel in that moment yeah that's an interesting point you brought up you know clothing and its impacts on stress um i participated in deca it's like a national business competition and you know we have to wear like super formal outfits and even though it was stressful at times i remember like i lost a shoe and then i mean it was just just a completely different incident where i had to like share shoes with someone else you know and it had to be formal we can't wear tennis shoes but uh other than that you know when i wore that formal suit it just gave me like a different sense of confidence and it was almost in the sense that you know even though we only had 10 minutes to come up with a marketing plan for a company i i just when i wore the outfit i was just like okay i got this you know i can conquer this so it really depends on the person like if sweatpants are your thing which i it definitely is my thing you know when it's like a friday night i i that's what i go for but if um formal wear is what gives you confidence and you know makes you feel upright um do that you know it, it just depends on the individual whatever works for you do it whatever floats your boat you know at that point <laughs> on some occasions it can be thrilling this wasn't quite a test but technically it was it was for a business mock interview and i did wear a whole suit i didn't have to wear it per se but i wanted to look my best and this was actually i had the um I was extremely lucky to be interviewed by someone that works in an internship program in the school district that we're in. And that may be, that may give me an opportunity down the line, but it was just amazing to wear that suit for the entire day. And I know I got compliments. What you wear really shouldn't be the highlight of people's day, but sometimes it can make you um, feel good. And that's absolutely fine. As long as the formal wear doesn't define you, that's all it counts. You can just think about it as, hey, special day, I'm going to do this. I'd highly recommend not wearing a formal suit to the um, SAT or whatever standardized test. I think that'd be extremely uncomfortable. Way too much. Uh, that's yeah. overachiever right there. <laughs> yeah, wearing a suit for four hours straight. Man, salute for that effort. But I think the basic idea is, you know, if you just keep a positive mentality before you enter that test and you just are confident in your skills, regardless of how much you studied, um, you'll be fine in that test. Uh, there's nothing too much to worry about. And if you do worry too much, then uh, that there's a high chance that your own skills that you work so hard on will be undermined. So it's just best to kind of just stay in balance, try to stay in balance and, and not go too over the top to get stressed. But it's just about, I think, having the right mentality before you enter that example. I definitely agree with that. You just kind of need to go in, breathe, and do it. Unfortunately, Isabella's internet connection is a little bit wonky, but absolutely no worries there. Thank you so much for joining us. And although you may not be here to say anything else, I'm glad you're part of our discussion. We're glad, definitely glad to hear your thought process and strategies for test taking. Yes, and thank you all for watching our episode of Dual Experiences.